was right there, Daryl, man, you just, bam, just dropped it. So, hey, we're here. You guys are in for something really special. Um, a very good friend of ours, my wife and I, uh, Robert Slearden. And so I, I, you know, I just got to share a little bit about him. I, I know him, and he does, he's not really big on introductions. He's just like, hand me the mic and turn me loose. But we want to introduce him a little bit, and we want to pay him a little bit of honor. And so I'll uh, just give you a little blurb about him. Roberts is the author of over 100 books including the series God's Generals. Anybody ever heard of God's Generals, the series of God's Generals? Yeah? So he's the author of God's Generals. Uh, he's been a part of a revival movement all his life. He was literally born into revival. Anybody know Oral Roberts University? Anybody familiar with that? Oral Roberts, at least, you know him. So Oral Roberts had a college, and he started a college in, in uh, Oklahoma. His parents were the charter part of the first class of students at Oral Roberts University, and he was born in, at Oral Roberts University. He's the first male child born to students, at, at, and so that's where his name, you know, yeah, come on. So I was telling him, I'm like, you not only were born for revival, you were like born in a revival. So he grew up around the university and around Oral Roberts and a bunch of different things, so that was really cool. Uh, he's a revival historian. And he's a church historian. He's a walking library. I don't know if he likes that title or not. He could probably say, hey, stop calling me that. So, but whatever. Uh, he teaches a third, uh, third, year, uh, three year, uh, third year of ministry school in Atlanta. Travels extensively. He's here with us today. He's our friend and he's our family. So we want, to welcome, want you guys to welcome him this morning. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good afternoon, right? Good afternoon. Now, does Miami talk back to the preacher? Hello? All right, just want to make sure. I'm Pentecostal. If you don't talk back to me, I don't feel like you're like you like me or there's something wrong. Okay. Well, it's good to be with you. I love your pastors more than I love Miami. How, is that okay to say it that way? You know, Miami to me needs lots of prayer, confusion everywhere. So bind every day confusion off of your life so you can keep thinking right and believing right. Amen. So it's good to be back with you. Freddie, stand up. A good friend. Freddie is a good friend of mine. I got to see him wrong. He's here today with us. So give him a good, warm welcome. And uh, so we're glad. It's the first Sunday of the year. Is that right? Are you glad to be alive? Think about this before I get into my scripture. Think that God had you born on time to be the age that you are at this time in the earth. So you're very special for this moment. No matter how crazy the world is, God needed you at this age, at this time, to be where you are, to be a part of his voice and his ministry in the earth today. Isn't that exciting to know? Because the world's crazy. There are people today that woke up in America that didn't know they were a man, woman, or a cat. And, and so welcome to America that needs prayer and help. Amen. And we are in the middle of our mission field. Praise God. Open your Bibles if you have them or your phones to Genesis chapter 1. That's the very first book of the Bible. It's very hard to find because we hardly ever go there. We're going to start there. Now, I've written 100 books. Everybody say 100. Can you believe it? I'm going to be excited. I brought a lot of them. They're on special over here. Uh, here's the two. Let's see, the two latest ones I wrote. It's called Good God, Bad God. Which kind of God do you serve? Um, I, I, I got bothered because people say the right thing. Oh, God's good all the time. But sometimes inside you, you don't quite believe that. And I want to talk to why that's inside of you, why that's not there, and help work that out. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. But you have to believe it deep in you, not just on the surface around your Christian friends. And um, when did God get the image of being angry? It happened many, almost 1,500 years ago in history. 
when uh, the church decided they didn't want to have signs, wonders, and miracles, and they had to make you come to church out of fear and fret and angry. So the loving God, who God so loved the world, changed, and God is going to get you, you dirty, rotten sinner. And that's where it changed. And for over a thousand years, that's the way God has been portrayed to the earth. So I wrote about that to help you change that and understand that. And then I wrote a book, How to Tell Time So You're Not Late in the Kingdom of God. Most people join the revival when it's over. And that's why they don't understand warfare. They don't understand persecution that goes, it's already been done. So I want you, there's three things you should know about time in your life. Number one, are you on time with God? Are you personally in God's time schedule for your life? That's most important. Number two, the church you're a part of is the church that you're a part of in God's timing in that city and in that town, uh, doing what God needs to be done. And third, what's happening in the earth? The timing of the whole thing. Uh, it's good to know what's happening personally, what's happening locally, but what's happening around the world is good to be a part of the big picture too. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm going to let you hold those for me, Freddie. And then I'll just mention the general's book. These are what I'm known most for as my God's general's books. I hope you'll get them and read them because everybody great has done something stupid. That's why there's hope for you and for me. Sometimes we admire our great Christian leaders and we, we don't know their story. We only hear the good stuff and the perfected. We think they're perfect. What I've tried to do is not uh, judge them but tell you the truth. Because to me, one of the great stories is God, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures, he still chooses to use us. And there are stories that I love to tell about this. And um, ever heard of Amy Carmichael? Ever heard of the, uh, Amy Carmichael, the missionary? She was a British lady, young lady who wanted to go to China back in the 1800s, and uh, late 1800s. But she ended up in India. And that's also a tough country too, by the way. But she didn't quite make it to China. She went to India. And uh, she was a little girl. At one time, she, she was born with brown eyes. She wanted blue eyes because I got blue eyes. She wanted blue eyes. So she prayed to Jesus that, she, that Jesus would give her blue eyes. So she was all convinced that when she'd wake up in the morning, her brown eyes would be blue. Well, that didn't happen. So she had a little Jesus problem for a while, but worked through it. And later in life, she was assigned to this little village in India. And at that time, in this particular place in India where she was, the tradition for hundreds of years was that each family would give one of their children to the temple to possess and to own for life. They would become child sex slaves or whatever it was. It was a very bad thing, but that's what the tradition was. So she saw what was happening. So she went to the temple priests and tried to get them to stop that, and they threw her out. And she went to the family and said, don't give one of your children away like that. It's, it's abuse. It's not right. Don't do that. And the family said, this is what we do. We don't want the gods to be mad at us. So we do this. And so that was back before there was any child labor laws in India. And so she couldn't do anything but just be bothered by it. So she um, had an idea. We call it a download. She would dress up like an Indian lady in the sari dresses. And there was no SD Lauder. So she took coffee grounds and rubbed them on her face so she would turn brown to be like the native Indians and walk into the temple and put a little girl, a little boy under a dress and walk out and begin to bring them out of the temple. Now, the moral of the story is this. 
God told her no on the blue eyes. Not because he was being mean, but he knew something about her future, that her brown eyes were more important than blue eyes. Because he had changed her eye color, they had spotted her in the temple. Sometimes when God says no, it's not because he's mad at you. He, don't want to, he just knows about your future, that the answer today is no to that particular request. And that's when we have to trust God. Like, I really wanted blue eyes, but I guess you know something better I don't know. And trust God like that. Because there'll be things in your life, why didn't I get to go to this college? Why didn't I go on this trip? Why couldn't I buy that house? But you'll later find out. I was um, trying to buy a condo one time in St. John's in the Virgin Islands. I was living in Minnesota. So when you live in Minnesota, you want to buy something in the islands. Very fast life because it's snow. And I think snow is of the devil. <laughs> I think sand is of the Lord. So I like the other white stuff. Anyway, that's, that's why Miami and Florida is very nice. So I had saved my money to buy a little small condo there on the island, in the Virgin Islands. And I had sat down to sign the papers to buy it, had the money to do it. And the Lord said, no. I thought, well, couldn't you told me this three days ago before I got all the paperwork ready and everything ready? And maybe he did, but I just couldn't hear him. I said, well, are you sure? I really want this. I want, I want to be able to fly down here in my own little condo and enjoy it when I'm freezing my butt off in Minnesota. And he said, don't do it. I said, okay. So the people I was buying it from was not very happy with me, of course, you can understand. A year later, a hurricane came through and took out all the condos. I was so happy that I didn't buy the condo. Thank God that when God says no sometimes, he knows something about the future that you'll later be thankful for that you listen to. Can you say amen? Are you glad to be here? All right, Genesis chapter 1-1 says this, In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, you. Not in the beginning, your dream. Not in the beginning, but God. So we want to start this year with the way the Bible starts. In the beginning, God. So we want to recommit to being a Christian. And we're going to talk about some of these things this morning or this afternoon. We want to recommit to some basic things. Because I've found that when you let go of the basic things, the whole thing collapses. When you let go of basic Christianity, then the whole house of cards fall down. Everybody with me? So we want to reaffirm the basics of Christianity as we start a new year. Let God add to us our giftings, our anointings, our, our plans, and the great vision. But we got to keep it on the foundation of normal, everyday, basic Christianity. Sometimes I call it the boring basics because no one applauds you for doing this. But the life is blessed by doing this. In the beginning, God. The number one way that we keep God in our life is by reading the Bible. Write that down. It's a very deep one. It's so deep most people miss this one. And let me explain. How many Bibles do you have in your house that you never open? It's in history. Let me take you on a little history lesson. At one time in world history, it was against many laws for the Bible to be translated into the language of the people, into German, French, Spanish, English. At one time, it was against the law in Great Britain to have an English Bible. It's hard for us to believe that. So that spirit that worked to keep the word from the 
common person, you and I, is still working today. That spirit that worked at one time, if I was preaching in the 1200s, and I was a Catholic priest, and I came time to read the scripture, I would not read it in English, Spanish, Russian. I'd read it in the dead language of Latin. Now, why is that? Because it's called dead because no one's speaking it. So when I would read the scripture, I would read it in a language that no one understood. That's how much the enemy worked overtime to keep the word from becoming a part of your personal life. To hear the word yourself, to read it yourself, to have the Bible in your lap, it cost men their lives to do this. Today, the same spirit that worked to stop the Bible from being translated now works this way. Have all kinds of Bibles but never read one. We have a green Bible that goes with the green dress. We have the yellow Bible that goes with the yellow dress. We have the Western Bible that goes with the guy when he goes to church. We have all kinds of Bibles that fit every part of life, but we don't really read it. The basic step of being a Christian is finding out how God is, what God likes, not by somebody's testimony, but by you reading the word that tells you what he's like. Now, in America, there is no excuse why you cannot read the Bible. Number one, we have oodles of them. How many Bibles are in your house? Think about it. In my house, there's probably 15 or 20 of them. How many Bibles you got in your house? One, two, none. You got eight or nine? All right. Do you ever open one up and read it? Mm, gotcha. All right. So th this is what happens a lot with all of us. We have Bibles now for everything but what they're for. The spirit that worked to try to stop it from being translated now wants you to have so many, but you never open it up. It's amazing what happens when you read the Bible. In America, people say, well, I have a learning disability. All right, let's accept that as a fact. If you have a learning disability and you have a hard time reading, my sister has that, so I understand that in a very real way. My sister has a small learning disability where she'll see like the word was, like saw it flips things. So I know there's challenges to it. But in America, that little thing called a phone can talk to you. And you can find an app that can read you the Bible in any accent. <laughs> Amen? And they also have sounds that go with it. They can have like, you know, the noise of people walking and talking. It's almost like an ill. So there's no excuse that you cannot get the word of God to you if you'll make time for it. Amen? Now, one thing I would like to challenge you to do, so I've, I guess I build a tradition now around it myself, is I've been a friend of Oral Roberts. How many know who Oral Roberts was? All right? Oral Roberts and I have been friends for a long time while he was alive. I had his name. I carry his name. So I, I, my family and Oral Roberts' family have been families for three generations. My grandmother and grandfather helped his parents. My parents went to the university. I was born in there, and I grew up around the Roberts family, running through Oral's house in my diapers. That's how much I was around the family. So I, I lived around this man, and he did something very unique that I've made a tradition that he read the whole New Testament through himself and gave life commentary on the, on the Bible as he read it. So how many would like Or Roberts to read you the whole New Testament and teach you 
what he knows about the verses and about his life experience and the healing ministry, all of that goes into that. So I always have him read me the New Testament and teach it to me every year. And here's how you do it. It doesn't cost you any money. It costs you one thing, time. You go on YouTube and write, or Roberts reads the New Testament, and it flies up. And there's Matthew to Revelations. And you just plug in and let him go at it. That would be something I'd like to encourage you to do this year. Would you let Or Roberts teach you the New Testament this year as you read the New Testament through? How many think that's a good idea? I mean, it's one thing to, to know a great man and to know he has a ministry, but then sit down and he teaches you, read the Bible verse by verse, and then talks to you about the revelation he has of it. How God taught him about certain things and gives that to you. I think that's a good way to read the New Testament this year. Is that good? All right. So, Lord, remind the people that they shook their heads and said, yes, I think it's a good idea to help them to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can do it on your phone. You talk to everybody else on your phone. You watch TV on your phone. Why can't you read your Bible on your phone with him reading it to you? Thank you for the one amen lady here on the front row. It's really good to the rest. You're like, well, we'll vote about that. Well, we, we want to look at the basics today. Basically, we start by reading our Bible. I grew up in a family that we all read our Bibles through. We would read four to five chapters a, a day so we could finish the Bible in a year. Now, in our family, we had another rule. We had to give a report of at least four points of what we learned from what we read to my mother and my grandmother, if we couldn't give four points, we had to go back and read the four chapters again. So we had to read and comprehend what we were reading. Sometimes we're reading just to get through the pages. Don't read the Bible just to get the duty. Make sure that you're reading it to comprehend something. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to gain some understanding on those things. Can you say amen? So in the beginning, God, in the beginning, we read establish our firm commitment to be a Christian. First, by keeping the reading of his word as a personal thing. Not just when you go to church, but as a personal thing. Now, let me make this next step. What is a Christian family? A Christian family is where Christ is in their home and that we conduct the affairs of our family around Christian teaching, Christian principles, and wanting a living Christ to be in our home with us. Is that true? So there needs to be a point in your family where you start a new tradition. Not that everybody reads your Bibles by themselves, but also you read it together as a family. A family that reads the Bible will live the Bible. Amen? Now, that means, Dad, you got to turn off the television. Mom, get off the phone. Call the kids from their rooms, from playing all their games for a 20 minute or whatever time you're going to set aside, two or three times a week where you have family Bible reading. And choose a translation that you and your family can comprehend. Now, I read the King James, the old, the thou, the therefore, and this is why. It's not my preference, but in my ministry, I've been in nations where I don't read the old King James, I'm reading a false Bible. There are nations that's the way they think about it. So because of that, I've stuck with 
thee thou and therefores. But I, I read other. I like the Passion Translation. I like the Living Bible. There's things that I like. Find the translation that you and your children can talk about, can speak to you on, and read together and talk about it. Now, it is going to be uncomfortable if you've never done this. It's going to be like, eh, we don't want to do this. But you have to keep working it until there becomes a joy of all of you doing it together and find out how to do it with your family. Does that make sense? So that means mom and dad have to do it and show little boy, little girl, here's what we're doing. And be faithful at it. And be creative with it. And make it a part of your life. A Christian family will read their Bible together. Okay? Well, I don't have enough time to do it every day. Can you do it twice a week or three times a week? You don't have to be an hour. It could be 20 minutes. You're going to read four or five verses of this chapter or whatever you want to talk about and read that, read that Bible story and talk about it. Doing those things begins to keep your commitment with Christ and the foundation. Bible reading personally and Bible reading for a family is a must. So may I ask you as a guest speaker, next week is the pastor. So come back and judge the church by him, not by me. Okay? Will you make a fresh commitment to read the Bible for yourself? Will you get Oral Roberts to read the New Testament to you this year? Look it up. If you can't find it, call the pastor or call me. We'll get it. You can, it's, it's right there. It's all there on YouTube. And it's free. Everybody say free. The only thing it costs you is time. Can you give 20 minutes, 30 minutes for three or four chapters to be read to you and talk to you? Can you do that with your family? Like we're going to have twice a week where our family's going to come together. We're going to read our Bibles together. We're going to talk about it as a family. Make that a part of who you are as a Christian. Can you say amen? The second thing that happens when you make a fresh commitment to remain Christian, is you pray. Wow, what a great idea. Prayer. Maybe the prayer we pray is called, give me Jesus. That is a legitimate prayer that should be prayed because we need a lot of help. Well, you sure are a quiet bunch of people. Lord, resurrect the dead today, we pray, amen. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Act, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And I wanna talk to you about prayer. Bible reading and prayer are the basics part of living the Christian life. And these are the two things we don't do enough. We get prophecies and we give prophecies. We have dreams, we have visions, but what about reading the Bible and actually having a prayer time with the Lord? Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is the communication with you and God, talking, all right? The reason why most people don't like to pray because they don't get any answers. That's the number one reason why prayer is forgotten in the Christian life, because they're not getting prayer answers. The whole reason we pray is to get answers to our prayers. Help me understand this. How do I get out of this? Or what do I need to do? Help me. Those are legitimate prayers. That's not the only kind of prayer, but that is a legitimate prayer. I don't want to you to feel bad from asking God for help and for stuff. You have not because you ask not. I know God bless me. Have you asked him? Have you asked him? 
He is not bothered by your request. Okay? Well, hold your place in Corinthians, and let's go to Ephesians. Let me read this one first. Ephesians chapter 6. And then we'll go back to Corinthians, all right? Ephesians 6 and 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always with all kinds of prayer is another translation. One of the reasons why we don't get prayer answers is because we don't understand different kinds of prayers and the laws that govern them. For example, let's take the world of sports and picture it as prayer. You cannot play basketball with football rules. True? It does not work. You, you cannot play golf with, with tennis rules. But that's what we do with prayer. We pray one prayer with other rules, and we wonder why things don't work. Because we don't know different kinds of prayers and the laws that govern them. The most misused prayer that we pray, Lord, if it be thy will, to me is the most ridiculous prayer that most people pray most of the time. If you pray, Lord, if it be thy will, it must be number one. You don't know his will. And you don't know his will because you don't read his Bible. 90% of your life, you can know God's will about it. 90%, that's a high percentage. You don't live in the world. I don't know if God wants me to be healed. Yes, I do. I don't know if God wants me to prosper. Yes, I do. I don't know if God wants me to have clothes. Yes, I do. The Bible tells us all that. So you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. He already healed you. But you're praying a prayer with basketball rules in a football game. You're mixing it the wrong way, and that does not cause you to get a prayer answer. You still with me? So one thing you should learn is know what the prayers are in the Bible and the laws that govern them so you can pray prayers that are appropriate for the situation you're in and get answers. The number one reason why people stop praying is because they don't get any answers, so it's worthless in their time. But it's not God's fault. It's more our fault on that. All right, go back to Corinthians, all right, 14. Everybody say amen. amen. Elbow the person next to you. Make sure they're awake. If you don't amen me, I'll preach till 5 o'clock. I now got an amen. All right, now it's working. So, all right. When we're praying, how do we pray? 1 Corinthians 14, we're, we're told to pray two things. We're praying two ways. In tongues and in English, or our native language, okay? To pray in the Spirit and to pray in our native language. 1 Corinthians 14 says in verse 15, What is it then? I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit or with the Spirit, and I will sing with my understanding like you did today. You sang today in the Spirit and in your understanding. When we pray, our prayer life should have these two things in it. Praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues and praying in English or Spanish or your fluent mother tongue. Okay? Now, how do you do this? Some people start out, I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. And you know you've never prayed 30 minutes in your life, which means you're not going to do that. You're going to get frustrated, and you're going to quit it altogether. So instead of starting 30 minutes or an hour, let's start with five minutes. Can we do that? 
All right, let me illustrate. When I was a little boy, my family was a Christian family. So I was raised by a praying grandmother and mother. My parents were divorced when I was little. So I didn't, I didn't have a dad in my home until I was 15 years old. My stepfather came then. So I mainly was raised in my little years by a mom and a grandmother. And we had family prayer every night. I'm sure we missed some nights, but I don't remember those nights because I, we hit it more than miss it. And so when we were little, they helped us to learn how to pray. Back in those days, we had kitchen timers. Y'all know what a kitchen timer is? That predates the microwave. You know, we used to time things on the microwave. It was the kitchen timer. Ding, 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 ding. Then we went to the microwave, and then we went to the cell phone that has the timer on it now. So I was back with the kitchen timer. And they would sit it for two and a half minutes in tongues. And then two and a half minutes in English. And that's where they started us. Now, when we were little, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit very young. So we would pray in the Spirit and ding. When that would go ding, then we'd have to pray in English. In the beginning, we didn't know how to do that. So we copied them. Whatever they prayed in English, we followed until we learned to do it ourselves. That's how we began. Now, we had a rule. It's not a Bible rule. It's a grandma rule. But I'm going to kind of force it on you if I can. Grandma had a rule. Pray loud enough for your own ears to hear your voice. So you're not whispering. And you're not yelling. You're talking normal. Like you talk. Why would you talk to God any different than you would talk to your friend? That was the rule. So I still think that's a good rule. You pray loud enough for your ears to hear your voice. When you have family prayer, everybody prays the same way. Loud enough for them to hear their voice. Now, when we were little, we were a kneeling family. Now, I don't kneel no more because when I kneel now, I sleep. You get that? Know how your body works. I walk and pray. That's the way I don't fall But If I get on my knees more than about five or ten minutes, the Lord is going to have me in slumber and peace. So I know how my body works. So if I get on my knees, I can't be there very long because that's what's going to happen. So I've learned I can walk around my front room, or I can walk through my house, or I can walk whatever, and my body will get in the routine of walking, and I can forget it and pray. So find out how to work your body. If you can kneel and pray, great. If you're like me, mm-mm, I'll kneel and mm, praise the Lord, and I'm off. So I have to walk and pray, okay? Find out how to do that for yourself and do it. And so we were a kneeling family in those days, and so... I would kneel next to my mom or my grandmother, my sister, vice versa. And if they couldn't hear us, they would elbow us, which meant pick it up. Or you'll have to do it over when we're done praying an hour later, because they prayed for an hour and a half. They were old time prayers. They've been doing it for years. So we're little kids just learning. So if we didn't pray loud enough for them to hear it and us to hear it, that meant pick it up. Or when we get done, you have to do it all over again. And sometimes we had to do it all over again. That's called training your child in the way it should go, that when he grows old, he won't depart from it. So when we conquered five minutes, they moved it to 10. When we conquered 10, they kept moving it. So when we were 15 and 16 years, we could pray two hours and not even think anything about it. Not because we were special, because we'd built up the stamina and the muscle over time and kept going to where that became a part of what we were. That's what you want. Because people set out, I'm going to pray an hour. That lasts for about four days in January. 
and then you get frustrated because you can't pray 10 minutes. Well, make the goal the hour. Why is an hour a big deal? Because Jesus mentioned the hour when he was praying one time. Could you not tarry with me one hour? So there's an hour marker that kind of comes to all of us Christians that Christ asked for us to pray an hour. That should be one of our goals, that we could pray an hour without sweating. But you don't get there overnight. And the reason why people don't do it is because they set out to do it and they get frustrated and they don't know how to do it and I'm gonna teach you how to do it. It's called grandma. You start with little bits and you conquer five minutes, two and a half minutes in tongues, two and a half minutes in English. And when you get real comfortable where that's like a no brainer, you move it to eight or you move it to 10. When you conquer the 10, five minutes in English, five minutes in tongues, when you conquer it, you change it again. And you keep moving it little by little and pretty soon you've got a momentum and you're conquering time and your muscles have grown to where it's not a stress. It's not an anxiety and it just works. If you can do that, even when you do family prayer, because you're going to do family prayer, we're going, well, you, so you all can like it. And then you keep increasing it. Little by little. You start out family prayer for 30 minutes. None of you are going to make it unless you're an old-time prayer warrior. And by then, that means most of us are going to be watching you pray. We don't want people to watch. We want people to participate. Amen? Now, let me just give you a side note. I'm trying to encourage you, and I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to browbeat you or make you feel guilty for not doing it. I'm trying to give you little ways to get there. Because you come to church today, that means you love God a lot in Miami. Hello. You came to church. So you were here at the first service, so you're still here. You're working in the church. I want us to be able to, to, to live this out and to, and to, to do it. When, another way I can help people, when you're driving to work Monday through Friday and you get at a stoplight, it's red, can you pray in tongues? the whole length of the red light. Find different ways to begin to pray and to exercise your spiritual muscles. Or if you're on the, you got a radio going and a song starts, can you pray the length of that song in tongues or in English? Find ways to kind of set things a little bit and build momentums in your prayer life. Build that in your life. So, hey, I did that. When you can conquer a red light, then go for two red lights. Keep moving it. Then you can pray all the way from the driveway to the office in tongues. That's one way to start maneuvering those things. I'm trying to give you ways to put it into your everyday life because if we try to always pull it aside and make it over here, this doesn't always happen. I like this the best, but in reality, this doesn't happen all the time. But you go to work every day, you got the radio on every day, can you, every time you hear your favorite song, pray the length of that song in the spirit. Find ways to activate your prayer life throughout the day and throughout the week. Can you do that? All right. So we pray in tongues and we pray in English. All right. If you don't pray in tongues, you're weird. All right. So I know that's kind of odd because usually it's said the other way around. The reason why I said that because if the Bible tells you to do something, and you do it, then you're normal. So let's quit putting the wrong labels on us. Let's put Bible labels on us. 
And if you've never prayed in tongues, we'll help you with that. We'll help you begin to understand it. We'll help pray with you about that and walk you into that part of your spiritual life. So you don't have to be odd anymore. Thank you for the no laughter at all whatsoever on that. But praying in tongues is a gift that God gives every believer that is a part of your private life. There's public tongues and interpretation that he says a message this way. Well, why did he use tongues? I don't know. He just decided to do that. And if he decides to do it, then just shut up and do it. Praise the Lord. Tongues sounds like this. Those are my tongues. Okay? Now, those tongues I've developed. Some people start out with little bits of the same thing. That's okay to start there, but we want your prayer language to grow. So another aspect of prayer this year is we want not just our English or Spanish praying to grow and become more powerful. We want our prayer language to grow. The same way when we see these little kids here in the church and they're learning to speak English and Spanish, and they, as they grow, their language gets more developed and has more, you know, words and, and, and emotions to it. Your prayer language needs to grow that way too. The way your prayer language grows is the same way you received it when it first started. You hear the sound of it inside and you speak it out. The same way when you first hear brandele bresuto gorobai, you your head goes, what? You're gonna tell your head to be quiet. It's not in charge. And this language does not come through your mind to your mouth, it comes from your spirit to your mouth. Where your English and Spanish comes from your mind to your mouth, this one does not go through your mind. It's a spirit. I pray, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. My spirit prays, not my head, my spirit. So your mind goes, what is this? You're weird. I know, but I'm not changing. Gonna talk back to your head and tell it to shut up and enjoy it. And because it's not being used, it thinks it's odd. But it's your spirit praying, not using your mind. My mind hears what you hear the same way. Hmm. Okay? So when you're praying, you want your prayer language to grow. Can you say amen? Now, go to Psalms 23. Another aspect of praying is praying the word. You can never go wrong in praying when you're praying scripture. Amen? So let me show you how to do that. It's not that difficult, but sometimes people go, I don't know how to pray the word. So I'm going to show you. Find Psalms 23. We're going to pray Psalms 23. Okay. Everybody still with me? I'm a guest speaker. Next week is the pastor. Come back and judge the church by him. Okay. Let this just be a guest speaker zone. All right. I felt led to preach this this way this morning. I had another whole wonderful message, all prepared, really prophetic, Isaiah 61, but it didn't come out. I'll have to come back and preach this later. Praying the word is the most effective way to pray the will of God into your life and over someone else, okay? Psalms 23, we all know it. Even the heathen know this passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Father, I thank you that you are the shepherd of my life. You watch over my soul, my body, my spirit, and all of my possessions. You are the shepherd over me, and I submit to your lordship and to your governance over my life. I want every desire, everything I do, to be under the shepherdness of your spirit and your word. 
And it says here, because you are my shepherd, I shall not want. Thank you, God, that all my needs are met and my just wants are coming into my life too. I refuse to live in the land of lack. I shall the land of abundance. My needs are met and the right want shall come to pass. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's just the first verse. You can do that at home. You can do that in your car. You can do that with your family. Teach your children to do this. Verse 2. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. I thank you, God, that my life is not around dry, prickly grass, uncomfortable places. You plan for me green pastures to live, green pastures to abide, green pastures to obey you, for my family to live in plush and green pastures. Thank you that that is my dwelling place, not my vacation place. That's where I live. And still waters shall I drink from. Troubled, confusion, disturbance, strife and division has no ruling power in my life, in my mind, in my family. He gives me green pastures and still waters to live my life around. Verse 3, he restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I thank you, God, that my mind is restored the way that you created it to operate. Every part of my mind you're going to touch. I thank you that my will becomes strong and not weak. I'm a strong-willed person to choose the right thing and can keep my choices. Thank you that you're restoring my will with strength where I can keep my decisions, no matter what I feel like. I thank you, Lord, that my intellect is sharp, but not arrogant. That I have knowledge, but it stays submitted to the higher ways of God. Thank you, God, that sometimes you use our natural knowledge, but we always will follow your knowledge, your ways that are higher. Thank you that my intellect is sharp, but yet submitted to the will of God and the knowledge of God. I think that my emotions are full of life and color, but yet they will not guide me. They will not control me. I'll enjoy my emotions. I will tell them where they can go and what they cannot do. They are not my guide. Thank you that my emotions are kept in the corridor of the flavor of my life, but not the government of my life. I thank you for my imagination, creativity, that religious spirits and bad happenings will not stop my imagination and my creativity. Let it flow through me. Let it flow through me for my family, through my ministry, through my business. I thank you for creative ideas, creative things. May my imagination be sparked with new life in this year. In Jesus' name. I pray over my memory. Father, in our memory, we have memories of good and bad things. We don't want to forget like it didn't, or act like it didn't happen. But we do ask you that you give us the strength to put the bad memories in the back files of our life. Father, help us to heal from the things that's happened to us. And let our memory not be a hindrance, but a support. Let my mind remember the good things 
the promise of the Lord, the good happenings, the overcoming times of my life. Father, do not let the bad dominate me. I command bad memories to be quiet and to be filed and go back in the backs of my mind, not in the front of my mind. You will not control my personality. You will not control my reactions. My memory shall be a blessing and not a curse in my life. That's what it means when it says, he restoreth my soul. You pray over your soul. I pray that my mind stays protected. Now, Lord, I want to be closed-minded in the right way. Let me, let me stop and make a comment here. Renewing your mind takes time. You don't want some idiot to come into your life and throw up all over your mind with bad words and bad stuff. So you have to control who goes in and who comes out. So I always say, I'm closed-minded. I'm the guard. I'm the guy at the door that allows what's in and what's out. You do not have free access to my mind. I've worked 57 years to get this renewed. You're not going to destroy it in three days. Amen. So you have to be controlled over your mind. So Father, give me the power to control my soul. To be able to keep out the wrong pictures and the wrong words and the wrong feelings. Give me the power to control my soul. That I let me be closed-minded to the wrong things and open-minded to the right things and the right people in my life. Thank you, Lord. You restore my soul and you lead me on the path of righteousness. For your name's sake, Father, keep me on the right path. There are so many paths that even look good, but which ones are right? Father, sometimes it all looks so good, but we don't know which ones are right. Help me to be on the right path, the path of rightness before you. Help me to walk down that path and to like those paths. Help me to enjoy the paths you put me on and quit wanting to go over there and go over there. Let me find contentment in my godliness on this path. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It says we're going to go through some dark times. Father, I thank you that when I walk through the shadows of death, when the storms of life blow against me, thou art with me. I am not here alone. I'm not living in a fantasy world. There are times the winds are contrary that blow against me. There are times that things are working so bad that I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. But you are with me. And I have hope in my shepherd that will watch over me and take care of me. And I will not fear. I will refuse to fear. Fear, you have no voice in me. You're not my teacher. You're not my God. You're my enemy. And I reject you. And I resist you. Go from me in Jesus' name. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Your corrections and your abrupt movements in my life, I accept. Sometimes in life, when it's easy, it's easy to, sometimes he has to abruptly move you. Have you ever had God abruptly move you? I mean, it jars everything about like, what was that? That's part of that rod and staff thing. There's sometimes an abrupt movement because his love says, I've got to move you now. 
And I accept the abruptness of God's corrections and God's movements with his rod and his staff in my life. Father, I accept it even though I don't know what's happening. I know your heart toward me is good. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, my head with oil and my cup runs over. I like this one. Thank you for a dinner entertainment. In the midst of my war, I get a good meal to watch how God knocks the enemies out. Hallelujah for the best TV going. And that's how I picture that verse. I picture that God gives us a great table to eat and for entertainment, he snocks the enemies down in front of us while we have dessert and coffee. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, our mistakes, and the devils who think they're going to get us and they're not going to get us. He, he gives us an anointing. He anointed my head with oil. I thank you that there is a supernatural resident of your power that rests upon me day and night, that flows from my mind down all across all of me. Thank you, Lord, for the oil that breaks the yokes of today, the burdens of today, and my cup, my spirit, runs over with good things. I thank you that I live out of the overflow of the Holy Ghost in my spirit. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I refuse to fear what's behind me because goodness and mercy is my rear guard. There is no demon back there. There's goodness and mercy that follows me. Wherever I go, goodness is behind me. Mercy is behind me. Not sickness and disease and poverty and death. Goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And if you can't find me, you'll always find me in the house of my God. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I like going to his house. I like being in his house. If you can't find me, I'm in the house of the Lord. That's how you pray the word. I prayed six verses. You can find Psalms 91, Psalms 27 or whatever, Jabez prayers, whatever they are, and pray them over your life and take that line and let your spirit just jump into it and add to you the more personal side. Behind me, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm not afraid of what's behind me. It's not death and despair, poverty and sickness. It's the cousins of goodness and mercy tracking me. It's the wake that I leave wherever I go. Goodness and mercy follows me and blesses the people as I leave. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I find joy in being with God's people. I find joy hearing the word of God taught to me. I find joy in it. Thank you, Lord, that you'll always help me find my footing in the house of the Lord. As we start the new year, can we do these two things? Can we get into our Bible reading? And can we get into praying in tongues and praying in English and praying the word and praying in the spirit and begin to develop that in your life and in your family and break through the uncomfortableness? It might take a few months to get through, but you can get through it because you haven't done it in a while like that with your whole family. 
Now, there's three things I want to, about two things I want to pray about before I close here. One is there's always people in our families that aren't saved or they're backslidden and we're really concerned about them. And every time we talk to them, we get in a big fight. Did you do that at Thanksgiving and Christmas? You, you, you try to have a peaceful Thanksgiving, but you're so concerned about their soul that you say something or ask the question that causes the, you to hit all their buttons and they, and they go off and you go off and pretty soon it's not Thanksgiving, it's World War III. How many had that happen? I've had that happen with friends and relatives. Let me, let me suggest something to you this year. Obviously, you're a problem. Have you realized you're part of the problem? Because every time you say something, it blows up sky high because obviously you're not the one that God's using in this situation, but you keep putting your gospel foot in it. Okay, that's because you love them. That's because you're concerned about them. It's because you don't want them to leave this world without Christ and you know that their life could be better with Christ in this world. And you, you, you just, you, yeah. But every time you, yeah. All right, so let's do something. Can we trust Jesus to do something? I've learned when I'm that person that, that pushes all the buttons and, it, and I'm not the guy to talk. But I can do something by asking Jesus to do this. Jesus, send the right people across their path that they will listen to and they will hear. Obviously, it's not me. So I want them to come to Thanksgiving, to birthday parties, to family events without a conflict. And can you pray that prayer and trust God that even though you don't see anything different, that you know God is working in that person's life outside your view and outside what you can see and trust him because God can send people across a person's path that they will listen to, they will talk to, and the gospel will be brought and it'll happen without you in it. You have to find a place in those types of relationships. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's a child, an adult child. Say, Father, I'm the one causing all the trouble, and I don't want no more fussing like this because it doesn't do anything. I cast the care of this person's soul upon you, and I'm asking for you in your ability, which you have a lot of ability, Lord, to put the right people across their path to speak to them, to sow the seed, to help bring them to the gospel, help solve the hurt in their heart toward the church, send the right persons and pray that prayer and let him do it. You'd be surprised how that thing turns around faster than you could ever imagine. Because when God gets involved, he knows how to get the right person that they'll listen to in front of them. And it's not you, but you can be the faith behind it. You can be the prayer behind it. So let's pray right now. How many have a situation like that in their family or in their life? They have a prayer. All right, so let's, we're going to pray right now that prayer. And you're going to have to probably pray a little bit more yourself a little bit later. So, Father, we come on this first service of the year. And we have family members and close friends who have never been saved or they're backslidden for all the reasons that you know, Lord. And, God, every time that I try to say something or do something, it gets into a big argument and it's a big mess. 
So today, on the first Sunday of the year, I take this person's soul, and I do what I know to do, but I'm going to give it to you and ask you to send the right people across their path to answer their questions, to help heal their hurts, and to bring them into a saving knowledge of you. Father, send the right people across their path. And I release all the stress, the anxiety, the worry, the natural concern. I take this and I give it to you because you carry this burden and you can do wonders with this. I ask for that miracle in their life. This year we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know, that's very important. I found myself leading people in that kind of prayer because we are sometimes so passionate about they've got to find Jesus. And sometimes you're the problem why they can't find Jesus because you keep saying all the things that punch their buttons the wrong way. And I had some friends that I was really after and I was the problem. And so I prayed that prayer and within six months, both of them gotten saved. I thought, it works. It'll work for you too. And I just pray that God will give you the patience and God will give you the peace that why the time is being spent, that that time will not be torture, will not be worry, but there'll be joy and there'll be a covenant that it's going to work out in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. My last point I want to talk about as a Christian is your money. All right? When I've been in 128 nations of the world. And I've been in all kinds of churches, big churches, little churches. I've been in communist underground churches. I've, and they all do three things. They preach, they sing, and they take up money. All over the world. All right? Money's an issue. But I want us to start with a different attitude about money this year. I want you to give because you want to, not because you have to. I want the attitude of your tithing and your giving to be a joy. And not to be, man, him. Mm, just stop, just stop and just come back to the simplicity of giving. Why do we give? We give, number one, because it shows our love for God, number one. It's an expression of our love for God. Number two, we give because it helps take the natural cost of spreading the gospel to our community, the nations. It takes money. To, so we want to help the gospel to go to folks who have not heard it or need to hear it again. And we, we give for those reasons. And the third reason why we give is how God also sends blessings into our life. Now, normally that's what everybody starts with. But to me, that's like the third on the list to me. I give because that's a way I can say to God, I love you. It's another expression of my love. Number two, I, I give because I want people to, not, to know him like I know him. My life is better because I've accepted Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I've had a great life because of him. He really knows how to fix your problems if you let, you let him get involved. That's really great. He can fix your goofy problems if you let him fix them. And he has been a good, good, good God and a good friend to me. And I want other people to have that knowledge and that blessing in their life. And if somebody don't tell them and teach them, they won't know. And then third, I give because it's the one way that God says he'll cause the abundance or the prosperity miracle to happen in your life. I work hard, I'm good with my money, but I always need more. And the way I create more is by working, also by giving. But I give on those three things from a happy place, not because I have to 
or I'm being manipulated, it's because I choose to. When you tithe and give, give because you choose to and give because you want to. If you don't want to, then keep your money until the, the want to and the get to comes alive inside of you. Can I say that to you? Because so many times people, when it comes to the money side of, of, the, of the church and the kingdom, people get all, eh, because some people preach the money message while they can get out of you. Sometimes they preach it because it's, it's from a wrong motive inside of the person speaking. And that taints the whole thing when we hear it and we feed it. And, eh, and I get it. Can we get rid of all those things and just come back to the simplicity? I give because I love you, Jesus. I give because I want somebody else to enjoy you, what I've known, either here or someplace in the world. And I'm giving also because I need some help financially in my own life. I need some more money. I need a new house. I need a car that runs on gas and not by faith. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need a new car. You need, you need a new job. And, and God, that's why he set it up. By sowing you reap. I, 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 it's difficult sometimes to, I want to ask when I get to heaven, why did you set it up that way? You have a few questions you want to ask Jesus when you get to heaven. That's what I ask. Like, couldn't you just bless us first and then we'll give? And that, that to me would be more the, the fun way to do it. I think one reason that he might have done it this way, I, I don't know for sure, I'll submit it to you. By giving first, you conquer greed. So whatever blessing comes to you, greed has no tentacles on that blessing of money or financial opportunity. I, I, I sometimes think the reason why he said give first is so he can cut out that greedy spirit. Goes, greedy people don't tithe and give. They tip, they don't tithe and give. They tip at Christmas, Easter, and funerals. That's when they give a little token gift. But by tithing and by giving, it almost you conquered the greed spirit right up front. Like, you have no voice here. I'm giving out of my need. I'm giving first because I love God. And it conquers the greed factor in the blessing that comes to you. I think that may be... One of the reasons, not the only one, that why he asks first. You can think about it. Amen? So when you give this year, let's make it simple. We love Jesus. We want the gospel to be spread. And we need financial help in our life. And that's the way God set it up for it to work for us. And let's go at all, like childlike simplicity and just let it be. And all the other stuff that goes out there and screams, just ignore it. Praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. Here's my offering. We love you. Just stay right there. You know, I'm in church all the time. And I hear things all the time. And I've just had to learn to do what I just, I just sit on the front row and smile. And I do my part. And I just stay in my little river. I love you. I want the gospel to spread. And I need some money too, by the way. You know, it's those three things. And he gets all three. He knows. I thank you that I'm worshiping you and I'm spreading the gospel and I'm working the laws of abundance for my life. Thank you. Keep it that simple and let the blessings of the Lord just overtake you. Amen. Did you enjoy my message this morning? Amen. Give the Lord a good clap offering if you would. Hallelujah. Let me, let me pray for you and then we'll, you come on up, pastor. Don't you like your pastor? They're fun. They are they're a hoot and a half to watch when you're trying to talk to you. They right. over-talk each other the whole time. And it gets we get that a lot. <laughs> we go on missions trips, the missionaries look at us and goes, 
the people from this church are rowdy. You know, it's like, it's like we come from the 305, man, don't we? Huh? 305, are we in Miami? Amen. We're so grateful for Roberts. He doesn't ask for an offering. He comes because he's our friend. And so this was the open date that he had, and we were happy to host him. So, But we want to take an offering for him. So the um, Bible says, honor a prophet, and the, 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 you receive the prophet's reward. So a couple ways for you to give. If you have the app, you can go on the, uh, the giving app, the giving portion. There'll be a drop-down menu that'll say Roberts Learden. So... Shelly added that today. So what, what? Props to Shelly. You can also give on the machines and give in the box. If you give on the machine, just take the receipt, put it in the envelope, and write Roberts on the envelope. Same thing with um, uh, if you give um, any other way. Just write Roberts on the envelope, put it in the box. That way the counting team can do that. So we want to do that for sure. And then also he has a resource table over there as well. And uh, we, we want to create a little bit of time for him to... Um, uh, to spend some time with you and to uh, answer any questions you have about his resources. And I encourage you to get those resources and connect with him in any way that you so desire. And uh, he's very accessible. So uh, we're going to pray over the offering. I'm going to pray for Roberts. If you don't have our app, you can actually get our app right now. What? Elevate's got an app. Yep, Elevate's got an app. What's going on? So you can give through the app as well. And, um, yeah, so you got something? Uh, okay, go ahead. Wonderful. Well, get the mic back now. all right. Well, but he was finished. So I just want to encourage you again about the books. Um, he has phenomenal books over there. I've got my stack behind the um, table. Um, it's not easy to get good books, right? It's not. It's not easy to get uh, material that's actually biblical, uh, where we can understand the supernatural, uh, the revival, uh, the signs and wonders, how it all fits together, understanding it for ourselves. Well, those resources over there have all of that there. So when you want to learn about the signs and wonders, you want to learn about moving in the supernatural, when you want to learn about uh, the revivalists of histor historical uh, revivalists that have went on, he's got, I think it's four or five volumes, God's Generals. Many schools use that. Um, as a resource because it's such a phenomenal, uh, complete, uh, striving towards complete uh, work, okay? It's wonderful. You can see how God has moved over the, hundred, the last couple hundred years, and it's so powerful. So he has all of that together, and um, he has things on revival. It's going to bless you. You need to build yourself up with teaching and with work with writings uh, and material that builds you, you know. So try to take a, at least a book, you know. Try to take at least a book with you. Why? Because you need to deposit this. You're not going to get enough out of Sunday, okay. And he's put it together for you. And finding books is not easy, okay. We don't have a bookstore. You have to go and find it on Amazon. You have to send it. You forget to do it. Oh, yeah, I was going to order that book. And then you didn't. So you have it here. He has all those resources. Wonderful, wonderful material. He's been writing for over 40 years. He's been preaching since he's 14. So that's a big deal. Okay. He's 130-something uh, nations traveled to. How many uh, languages are your books tra uh, translated? 70. 70. So don't be thinking this little place here you know, doesn't make him big stuff, okay? All right? He ain't easy to get in here. I had to book him six months in advance. Huh? Okay? He did, because he's friendly to us. 
But he may not have if we were just, you know, nobody that he knew and didn't, hadn't had a relationship with. Because he's big stuff. He's actually, you know, uh, teaching third-level school, third-year school at a revival that's going on. If you heard of uh, Todd Smith uh, and what he's doing with baptism, it's a revival that's been going on centered around uh, it, baptism uh, in Georgia. He's on, he's on, uh, he's the, he's the third-year uh, professor. So um, he's doing that. He's a part of that. So again, you have you have a you have a revival historian. The, the, I think the sub the title was uh, was coined for you. A revival historian we have in front of us. Again, he he'll have books written about him because of what he's done to um, to protect, to document, uh, and to honor the revivalists of the past. Those. Yes, it is. He's really understated that way. He, he's understated. He won't, he won't toot his horn, but I have a big tuba, so I'm going to play it. So, again, you have the opportunity. Get some stuff, man. Give it to somebody that isn't sure what they believe about, like, um, the supernatural or the things of the spirit. Hand them a book. This is the way you get it. It's, like, right there. You know, you don't have to mail it. You don't have to hope that the copy came. Somebody didn't write all in it if you bought the, uh, you know, the used one or whatever on Amazon. You can get it right now, and you're supporting him. So, again, we want him to come back, right? We always want him to be here. He's been here in the past. We haven't had him since uh, before COVID. But we love Robert Slearden. He's such a big influence in the, in, in the church because of that. So much of those uh, God's general stuff that he's uh, uh, written and um, what do they call it when they just uh, curated, that he's put that all together. That would have been lost if someone hadn't valued other people's lives like that. It's a big deal. And God's honored him for that. So we want to support that. All right? So you just ask the Holy Spirit which book you want, he wants you to take, okay? And then, you know, maybe get yourself an extra one. There's some wonderful books. He loves women uh, preachers. He loves women preachers. He loves women speakers. He loves uh, women revivalists. Powerful women revivalists over there. It will, like, it's like it'll blow your mind when you read about their lives. Well, he put that stuff together. What an honor for us ladies, right? What an honor. So honor him. Amen? Amen. I, th I think it's at the end of the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey, and um, uh, who is it? Um, I think uh, Odysseus. He says, let it be said of my life when men speak of me, let it be known that I walked with giants. And so Odysseus never wrote about his life. He wrote about the greatness of other people, and he walked with giants. And if you ever heard the word Odyssey, is written by the, the book is after him. You know, Robert says, walk with giants. He's written about giants. And ultimately, I'm telling you now, we, we don't appreciate what's in front of us in the moments of time. We were sharing yesterday about Oral Roberts, and he grew up around Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts' house. And I was telling him I had Oral Roberts pray for me one time, and we were part of a church. And uh, the church was smaller at the time, but our pastor was on the board of regents at Oral Roberts. And so some of the leaders in Oral Robert, Oral came, and I, he was huge dude, big dude. And I said he, 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 was, he stood up and he said, I've laid this hand on millions of people. And I was telling Roberts, and I said, and I was standing there, and I was like 20 years old, and I was like going, and lay it on me, you know, and that was it. And I remember him laying his hand on me, and his hand was so huge. You know, his hand was this, this he was a really big guy, you know, and his hand was just majorly huge. And so we were sharing things like that, and that's a moment in time, 
you know, and we're talking about Billy Graham and I were um, uh, Jimmy Swaggart, you know, and I, you know, we we're just talking about different people. And, and, and like when I was a kid, when I was young, I didn't really understand who I was actually standing in front of, you know, and, and, and something you said, what did you say? Everybody great does, does something. Every, say it with me. Everybody great does something stupid. And part of the thing when you read God's generals, this isn't all about these guys that were just these magnificent, crazy uh, people of faith. They're broken people just like you. And God used them in significant ways. They came from shot-out backgrounds. He, he had, uh, he was sharing a story. Uh, we, have, we did an interview, a two-hour interview. We'll make it available to you guys. But yesterday, and one of the things he was sharing about Catherine Kuhlman was the backstory of her life. And she said, and how, and she said God, I have nothing. I'm broken. I've lost everything, some version of this. And she said, but what I offer you, I offer you all of me. And she made that prayer. But it was almost 10 years until God began to turn. He took that prayer from that woman. And within 10 years, he turned her whole life around. And anybody know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Anyone know who's that? Do you know Roberts has her dress, her ministry dress? Yeah, he doesn't want me saying all this. because He doesn't say it. But see, she's got the huba, tuba, I got the trumpet. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, so he, he's very understated. He doesn't, he doesn't like introductions. He doesn't, you know, none of that stuff. But, you know, hey, we want to bless him. We want to honor him. I want you to value. You know, what we bring, people that, I don't know if you guys under, uh, notice who we bring through here. You know, like the people that come through here are serious people. Almost no one stands that I let come here or my wife creates the opportunity. So I have to give all the credit to Sherry. You know, uh, you know she does all of it. And she was like, yes, give it all to Sherry. And uh, she sets it all up and, you know, and I, you know, but whatever. But we bring some very big people through here, some serious heavyweights, you know. They're not, they're not the celebrity necessarily, but they have anointing and they have weight and they're doing something for Jesus. So this is value and recognize what's in front of you. Recognize. He shared a story in first service and I, I, a couple of st stories I wanted you to share, but you didn't because there's not enough time. But just, you know, but one of the stories he shared was... Um, this guy is sowing 16 cents into all these churches. And all of these things began, it, it, like, I don't want to steal your thunder. I don't even, but if you watch First Service, he shared a couple of really interesting stories. And where this guy was just sowing seed. And he was just because he believed the principles of the scripture. He believed what God says. We either believe this or we don't. You know, we either activate by the kingdom principles or we don't. And if we don't believe this stuff, then we should go, we should go find to do something else. Because that's what Paul said. He said, if, if this stuff isn't true, then we're the biggest idiots on the planet. If, if this is true, then we need to go all in. But if this isn't true, then, and we act like this is something that is, and we don't really go, vest in this, then we're, we're foolish. We're foolish. So I want to just encourage you, support the ministry, support Roberts, give an offering, buy his material, meet and greet. We bless you, and uh, we'll have a prayer team available for you, and I just want to say a, a closing prayer out over you. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Roberts, Lord. We thank you for the honor that he pays us, Lord, and we pay him in double honor, and Lord, we give him a blessing, and we honor him for being here with us this morning.